you very much. Take the silver lining, keep it in your own sweet head. Shining when the night is burning red. Shine it in the twilight, shine it on the cold, cold Shine it till these walls come tumbling down. We were born with our eyes wide open, so alive with wild hope. Now can you tell me why time after time they drag you down? Down in the darkness deep Fools and the madness all around Know that the light don't Take it on your own two hands. Scatter it like diamonds all across these lands. Blaze it in the morning. <clears throat> Wear it like an iron skin. Innocence and magic came in. We were born with eyes wide open, so alive with wild hope. Now, can you tell me why time after time they drag you down? down darkness deep fools and the madness all around know that the light don't sleep Good morning. We come into this sacred space today. Come let us share our differences so that we may see our need for each other. 
Come, let us share our common joys and struggles so that we may see that our differences need not separate us. The chalice, as a symbol of Unitarian Universalism, arose as a beacon of hope in an atmosphere of tyranny. The chalice arose as a sign of promise that the marginalized would neither be forgotten nor ignored because they are beloved and precious from the perspective of the holy. This morning, we remember all of the people who have been told explicitly or implicitly through police violence or government policy, through derision or dehumanization, that they're anything less than whole, anything less than beloved. As we light this chalice today, may we make of our lives a beacon a symbol of our promise to draw the circle wide, a sign that we will not rest until all means all. Before we laugh, we cry. We're going to sing verses one, two, and four. child is born among us and we feel a special glow we see time's endless journey as we watch the Strength of love and 
be seated. You'll notice in the order of service, your worship leader is John Eldridge. I'm not him. <laughs> Unfortunately, John was in direct contact with COVID, so he's taken the necessary precautions this morning. Oh, good morning. I'm Judy Goring, your worship leader this morning. Whether you're physical or virtual in the sanctuary, in the social hall or family room, everyone is welcome. I invite you to take a moment to look around and notice who's sitting near you, around you, etc. It's good to be together, whether it's your first time or whether you're already familiar with this place. You are all an essential part of our celebration today and welcome. Our services are multi-generational and they sometimes tend to be a little lively. Kids are welcome to sit right up front or anywhere in the sanctuary. And we have a, a playground down here in front with for our smallest congregants with a soft rug and cool toys. There's a children's table in the back with some quiet activities. And for you know the youngsters who could use a little more time, a little more room to move around, the family room across the hall has toys and a live feed of the service. We are one people of many beliefs many origins, sexualities, and genders. We are all growing, all learning, but most of all, we are all loved. You are all welcome here. Now for today's meditation. I invite you to focus on the present, on being in this space, right here, right now. For our meditation today, please join me in a responsive chant using the Litany of Atonement by Robert Eller Isaacs. You will see the response in your order of service. I will read a line and please respond with the chant. We forgive ourselves and each other and we begin again in love. For remaining silent when a single voice would have made a difference. We forgive ourselves and each other, and we begin again in love. 
for each time that our fears have made us rigid and inaccessible, we forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. For each time that we have struck out in anger without just cause, we forgive ourselves and each other and we begin again in love. For each time that greed has blinded us to the needs of others, we forgive ourselves and each other and we begin again in love. For the selfishness which sets us apart and alone, we forgive ourselves and each other and we begin again in love. For falling short of the admonitions of the spirit, we forgive ourselves and each other and we begin again in love. For losing sight of our unity, we forgive ourselves and each other, and we begin again in love. For those and for so many acts, both evident and subtle, which have fueled the illusion of separateness, As we ponder these words, please continue to breathe comfortably as we enter a time of silence. Comfort me, 
now I lift up the cares of the community. We celebrate with Olivia Vizcano Stanson and her family, her family that is very proud of her. Olivia attended here as a child. She is the granddaughter of Joyce Kaiser. Olivia has just completed a bachelor's degree while raising her three children and serving as an active duty soldier based at Fort Wainwright in Fairbanks, Alaska. Blessings on her and her family, yes. And we remember Sally Vance, who died a few weeks ago. Sally was an active member here along with her husband, Dan, who passed away a few years ago. May light perpetual shine upon Sally. And of course, we rejoice with Reverend Angela. Reverend Angela and her family as they celebrate her daughter Olivia's marriage this weekend. And we lift up the friends and loved ones who are on our hearts and minds this morning. At the sound of the chime, I invite you to speak their names into the room. these we lift up to the spirit of healing and recovery and knowing that many of our cares and concerns remain unspoken may we pause pause to honor all that we are holding spirit of life and and source of love may we remember that to be alive is to experience joy and happiness as well as pain and suffering. As we navigate this path filled with both beauty and tragedy, may we take comfort in knowing that many have come before us and many will come after. And that in this web of interconnection, we are intertwined with all existence. Wherever we are headed and whatever we are going through, we are not alone. May we multiply our happiness by sharing it in beloved community. And in our moments of sorrow, may we find comfort in the support of beloved community. Faith, hope, and blessed resilience be with you. I have a story to share with you today, a short one, but you already know it. Um, but it was written down so beautifully by Susan Verdick in her book for children and other people called 
of books of empathy. I was born a miracle, one of billions, but unique. I am human. I'm always learning. I'm finding my way and choosing my path on this incredible journey. I have big dreams. I see possibility. I have endless curiosity. I make discoveries. I have a feeling of wonder. I am amazed by nature. I have a playful side. I find joy in friendships. I am human. But being human means I am not perfect. I can hurt others with my words, my actions, even my silence. And I can be hurt too. I can be fearful of things I don't yet understand and timid to try something new. I have a heavy heart when I feel sadness. I am human. But then I remind myself that because I am human, I can make choices. I can move forward. A poor choice can become a better choice with thoughtfulness. A bad day can become a great day with kindness. I can act with compassion and lend a helping hand. I can treat others with equality and be fair. I can choose not to fight, but instead to listen and find common ground. I can say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness. I am human, one of billions, but unique. I'm not alone. I am connected to my friends, to my family, to the world. We are all human together. And I will keep trying to be the best version of me. I am full of hope. I am human. Sometimes we think that we're not loved. Doubt creeps in, we push and shove ourselves into the corners of our minds. Try to find a place to hide. But we must learn to love the unlovable if we want our soul in harmony. The love that is the choice each one of us can make. Yes, I choose love and it chooses me. 
unlovable Connecting mind and soul in harmony Love that is my choice I give myself a voice Yes, I choose love And it sets me free As many of you know, I came here to First Unitarian Church to complete my internship and found that I liked it here so much that I decided not to go back to the Midwest. I am now a community minister affiliated with First Unitarian Church and happy to call this congregation my church home. As a community minister, I work with the incarcerated population and with those returning to our community from incarceration. And I sometimes tell people jokingly that I chose community ministry because I am much more comfortable going into prisons than I am speaking from this pulpit. But seriously, my call to community ministry was a call to take progressive religion and liberal theology, specifically Unitarian Universalism, into our communities as a support for healing and recovery. By progressive religion and liberal theology, I am referring to those faiths with no detailed prescribed creed or set of required beliefs. I had seen the work being done by more prescriptive religions, and I noticed that the more progressive liberal religions are often less visible in settings for healing and recovery. Progressive religion and liberal theology seem to be less present than the evangelical face in places like prisons, addiction recovery programs, and support groups. My call to community ministry has brought me to my present work. My present work is with an organization called Project ECHO. The ECHO part of Project ECHO stands for Extension for Community Healthcare Outcomes. 
Project ECHO is a nonprofit part of the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Group. I work with part of Project ECHO called the Peer Education Project. And we work in partnership with the Department of Corrections to provide support for the large population of those involved in the criminal justice system. Those involved in the criminal justice system and in need of healing and recovery. This support is provided in the form of peer-to-peer -peer engagement. Peer-to-peer -peer engagement involves having people who have previously been in need of healing to step up and work with those now in need of healing. They do this by sharing their faith, hope, and experience with those people who are now going through the same situation they were once in. These peers have themselves successfully navigated incarceration and the majority, the overwhelming majority, are also living in long-term recovery from addiction. Incarceration and addiction are often interconnected. According to the National Institute of Drug Abuse, 85% of the prison population has an active substance use disorder or were incarcerated for a crime involving drugs or drug use. There are currently two parts to this Project ECHO peer engagement work. One part occurs while one is currently incarcerated and the other part is for returning citizens. Returning citizens are those who have returned to our community from incarceration. Obviously a population in need of healing and recovery. Reintegrating into our community, some from long stays, a long time living in incarceration. At some point, many of us humans have needed healing and recovery that is either directly or indirectly related to this population affected by incarceration and addiction. Some of us have found ourselves in situations where we were in fact enabling or codependent with our relationship with someone affected and in need of healing and recovery. And our reaction to those loved ones who are struggling resulted in our own need of healing and recovery. So what happens when, for whatever reason, we find ourselves in need of healing? Often, in our dominant culture in this society, the common response is for us to go to professionals to seek medical support for this healing and recovery. Many of the things that were once addressed by our communities 
have now gone to professionals. We no longer take such issues to our church, to our church community, or to our neighbors. We now go to professionals as we move further and further away from community and deeper into individualism and our beliefs about our self-sufficiency. When I go into places of incarceration and places of recovery, I find that many of the people I meet in those places have a liberal theology. They are people who would benefit from progressive religion because they have been disenfranchised from traditional religions and often their communities. Also, they have become disenchanted with mainstream religion or some are struggling with religious trauma. Many of us were in a similar situation when we became UUs or when we discovered Unitarian Universalism. But what I don't often see is the option of progressive religion or liberal theology being offered in prisons, recovery programs, or support groups. A religious community can provide healing and recovery support. First Unitarian, for example. We have a recovery ministry right here. The First Unitarian Church Recovery Ministry supports those struggling with healing and recovery from the effects of addiction in its many forms. This includes those people who have found themselves in a situation where they were identifying as either enabling or codependent. Sometimes the healing and support we need is around our reaction to our loved ones who are struggling. I have someone here with us today from our first Unitarian of Albuquerque recovery ministry who would like to share her experience with the need for healing and recovery. Terry, please. speak loud enough this morning, so I'm going to try to do better. My name is Terry Axline, and I've been a member of this church since about 1983, although I haven't been active during all those years. But I'm here this morning as a member of the recovery ministry to share a little about my experience with the effects of addiction in my family. For background, I grew up in a home where alcohol was a big problem. In reaction to the hurt and fear I developed, from painful childhood experiences, I lost a lot of confidence in people, in relationships, in myself. If I couldn't trust my family to keep me safe, I couldn't trust anyone, not even God. I coped the best I could. I grew up and hoped I'd put the past behind me. But that wasn't how my life unfolded. Fast forward to 1999, 
my youngest child suffered a psychotic break at age 19. Experimentation with alcohol and drugs resulted in addiction and mental illness in adulthood. The ways I learned to cope as a child were of little help to me as a parent. In fact, I was pretty sure I'd failed as a parent. I had so many fears. He would wreck his car, become homeless, end up in jail, die. Some of those things did happen. It is said that with total abstinence, addiction can lead to insanity, incarceration, or death. I couldn't accept that as I allowed my fears to take root and grow out of all proportion, I developed a kind of obsession with trying to rescue, fix, and save this person I loved so dearly. The more I tried to change and control him, the more contentious and distrustful our relationship became. This went on for a decade and more. In time, this dear, troubled young man lost many connections with family, friends, and community. He lost his way. I didn't know how to help. I was neglecting the rest of my family. I was neglecting myself. I lost my way. In hindsight, I understand that my family history, my son's diseases, and my extreme reactions made us both soul sick. Mutually afflicted by fear, guilt, shame, insecurity, depression, Anger, resentment, you name it. Addiction is often described as a family disease and generational. As my loved one grew increasingly ill and isolated, so did I. I had stopped coming to church where I might have found moral and spiritual support. The longer I continued to worry obsessively, the more hypervigilant, out of balance, and spiritually bereft I became. I needed help. I didn't know where to turn. And then a dear friend invited me to Al-Anon. I didn't know what it was and doubted it could help me at first, but something kept me coming back. Along the way, I found caring people who shared similar life experiences and a spiritual prescription, a spiritual remedy for the grief and despair that troubled me. My heart softened and started to heal with the understanding love and support I found there. Al-Anon's teachings and principles are similar to those of Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs. Like AA, Al-Anon is spiritual, but not religious. I had strayed far from the spirit path in my compulsion to control my loved one's choices. Today, I have a spiritual life, and I accept that I'm powerless over everyone but myself. In spiritual recovery, I was encouraged to take the focus off other people and focus on living my own life. That was very hard. To stop judging and blaming, to detach emotionally, to develop personal boundaries for self-care and other difficult things, to clarify my values, responsibilities, and obligations to myself and to others, to find a higher power that I could accept, to recognize that I was not anyone else's higher power. These ideas are foundational in most 12-step recovery programs. They require committed inside work, and I have found that they apply to all parts of my life. Most importantly, I was encouraged to offer understanding, acceptance, and unconditional love to my dear son 
who suffers from more than one disease, but who is not and should not be defined by any disease. He is love. He belongs. He is welcome. When I allow myself to be guided by higher love and spiritual principles, this happened during first service too. <laughs> I open my mind and my heart to healthy and hopeful solutions for myself and my relationships. And relationships are pretty much what life is about. We all want to be accepted, to belong, to be loved. I'm grateful that my son is in recovery, at least for today. And I'm thankful for my struggle with the effects of addiction in my life. In seeking help, I've received precious gifts. Renewed spirit, renewed hope, restored relationships. I continue my spiritual journey of love and service as a member of this congregation and its recovery ministry. Thank you for listening, and thank you for this welcoming congregation. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. September this month, September is National Recovery Month. And this month's worship theme reminds us to be welcoming. A major responsibility in our social justice work is welcoming the disenfranchised. Welcoming those who have been either placed on the fringes of our society or locked away instead of being provided support for healing and recovery. I believe that we need to provide a progressive religious presence for this healing and recovery, a presence that provides the power of a liberal theology, a theology that provides community along with a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Unitarian Universalism provided that for me when I was in need of healing and recovery, and that needs to be made available to others who are in need of healing and recovery. One need not look far in our city, right here in Albuquerque, to see that a major part of the population consists of our returning citizens and those struggling to recover from addiction in its many forms. What can we do as a congregation? We can be that peace, that progressive religious peace, P-E-A-C-E, -E, peace that liberal theology piece that addresses the healing via community. What does that look like? There are so many models out there of what that looks like, but it is clear that that piece is missing in most of the healing support I see, especially in the sector where I work, where there are mostly 
the more conservative, more prescriptive types of spirituality. Many of us saw the need for a more liberal theology, for a progressive religion, and those people most in need of healing and recovery also see that need, and it is not visibly available to them. Many of these people are religion traumatized and are not trusting of anything labeled religious or even spiritual and are unaware of religions like Unitarian Universalism. We are often not at the table along with the, the evangelical and more traditional when it comes to claiming support for healing and, and recovery. So the question remains, how do we as a progressive religion, as a liberal theology, as a welcoming community, how do we begin to address the need we once felt? Now we have some things in place. We have begun the recovery ministry. We have provided meeting space for a workshop for our returning citizens. We have tenants that are an organization that serves those who are in need of healing and addiction. What else are we called to do in our striving to support others in the same way that we strive to support each other? Support that respects the inherent worth and dignity of the individual and encourages this free and responsible search for truth and meaning. What would it look like? What would it look like if we were known in Albuquerque as a support for those in need of spiritual development and healing? The kind of support that respects the inherent worth and dignity of the disenfranchised and the rejected. Christian scripture refers to healing the brokenhearted. In the reference, the word brokenhearted is translated from the Greek as a person who has been shattered or fractured by life. The word heal comes from the Greek, the Greek terminology for release from destructive effects of brokenness. Can we become known as a refuge? A refuge for welcoming and healing the brokenhearted. you are proud of this church, become its advocate. If you are concerned for its future, share its message. If its values resonate deep within you, give it a measure of your devotion. 
This church cannot survive without your faith, your confidence, your enthusiasm. Its destiny, the larger hope, rests in your hands. Our Change for the Future partner is Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native Women. Their mission is to stop violence against Native women and children by advocating for social change and providing support to Native advocates working against domestic violence, sexual assault, dating violence, stalking, and sex trafficking in New Mexico tribal communities. Let us now give freely and generously an offering to sustain and strengthen our shared religious community. the shame that passed behind me. I see anew. Yes, I'm ready for my change. Oh, I'm ready for my change. Yes, I forgive me. Give them everything that I've been holding on to. I'm gonna let go. I surrender. I surrender. I'm ready for my change. Yes, I'm. I'm ready for my change. Yes, I'm ready, ready for 
Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church and on behalf of the Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native Women. What is generously given is accepted with gratitude. Now, Judy is going to provide you with a few invitations. Have you been thinking about signing First Unitarian's membership book and officially joining the church? There will be a new member joining ceremony next Sunday, October 1st at 10.15 in the morning. Stop by the membership connections table in the foyer after the service to speak to our Director of Congregational Life, Lara Magnuson, and take the next step and find out more. So, what do Unitarians believe anyway? If you've ever struggled to respond to that question, we have a class for you. It's entitled The UU Elevator Speech. By the end of the class, you will have created a short, articulate description of Unitarian Universalism and your own personal beliefs. This Zoom class is offered by the First Unitarian Church of Dallas over three one-hour sessions starting this Wednesday, September 27th. Pick up a flyer after the service at the Connections table. And we hope everyone stays for coffee and we will have a chat table with a discussion question. And here is our discussion question. When you go into a place, what is it about that place that makes you or causes you or results in you feeling welcome? So when you go into a place, what is it about the place that causes you to feel welcome there? Now our greeting uh, where we place one hand on our heart and extend the other hand in a greeting to our neighbors.
Go in peace, and when I say go in peace, I don't mean go in mindless oblivion. <laughs> when I say go in peace, I don't mean go without challenging yourself or others. When I say go in peace, I don't mean go in utter ease and comfort. When I say go in peace, I mean go in peace seeking justice. I mean, go in peace committed to equal rights and opportunities for all. When I say go in peace, I mean, go in the peace that is created when together we build communities of true solidarity, deep compassion, and fierce, unrelenting love. <laughs> Thank you. 